0: Hebrews chapter 3 with uh, with me go go there with me would you please Hebrews chapter 3 if you'll take your copy of God's word and turn in it to that third chapter of Hebrews I'll be there in a morning in a moment If I were to ask you what you need out of life what do you think you need out of life I wonder how you would answer. I'm not asking you to answer right now, but I am asking you to think about it. If I were to ask you what you need out of life, how would you answer that question? What do you think you really need in this life? Many of you would likely give me the Sunday school answer. You know that? You know what that is, the, the little joke about the youngsters in Sunday school with, with every question that the Sunday school teacher asks, the answer is, Jesus? Jesus? The Sunday school answer? Jesus? I know that if I asked you that now, you'd say, well, the most, uh, biggest need, the most important need, the biggest need I have is, is Jesus. Well, that's the Sunday school answer, and I'm not asking for you to give me the, the Sunday school answer. I'm not saying that's the wrong answer, okay? <laughs> in other words, in fact, the word's gonna show us that that Sunday school answer is the right answer. But, I think we would probably answer in a different way, right? Let's pretend that you aren't here and your pastor is not asking you that question. Let's pretend you're out doing your shopping this week and you happen upon a friend, a friend of yours, and you guys get to talking about what's going on in your lives and and some of the challenges of life and the difficulties that you face and the struggles you face, and, and you both can agree that, you know, life just doesn't always turn out the way that you hope. And, and your friend says to you, just, what you know, what what do you want in life? And if your problem is a health issue, you might say, I just want to be healthy again. Or if you need a job, you might just say, I just want a decent job that that meets my needs. I don't want to be rich. I just want to, I just need a job that helps meet my needs. If that was you. If you were a person who was having difficulty with your neighbors, you might say, I just wish God would give me some friendly neighbors maybe your neighbors praying the same thing you know um, the per just had to say that the person the person who has small children would say maybe uh, i just wish my kids would learn to get along or change their own diapers or whatever i don't know the person who has a difficult boss might say i just all i want out of life is just a an easier an easier boss to work for and, and, and we could go on, right? So on and so on. If I went around the room, we'd all have our own interpretation of that. And I'm sure you can think of something that, that's a concern to you right now. As, we, as I noted earlier, every person in this room represents a need or many needs. But what we've been hearing from the writer of Hebrews is that those who trust in Christ had better not take their eyes off of him. Those who put their faith in Jesus, yes, you have earthly needs. And yes, you aren't to forget about or ignore those earthly needs. You have them. They are real. In fact, we saw at the end of chapter 2 that Jesus came and took on the same kinds of needs on himself by putting on human flesh so that he could identify with the needs that we have, so that he could suffer and identify with our suffering. So he knows you have real needs in this life. But those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, though you do have real, immediate, and earthly needs, ultimately your highest need is met in Jesus Christ because he made everything. But not only did he make it all, but Jesus Christ sustains it all. And it's clear that Jesus Christ will sustain you for all of eternity because he saves you from your sins if you put your faith in him. So he is your highest need. I'm not suggesting that you ignore your physical and earthly needs, but I'm suggesting that knowing what your ultimate need is will put your earthly needs into perspective. And I think that's what Hebrews is teaching us. Hebrews is challenging us. to keep keep our lives in perspective of our eternal need and, and the gift that God has given us to meet that need through Jesus Christ. And though we are burdened at times with present needs, there is never a right time to take your eyes off of Jesus. Jesus is God's answer to your greatest needs. And God has given you his word to help you find the answers to, to, to meet your needs because they are provided through Christ, made possible through Christ. So there is never a right time to take your eyes off of Christ and the word that God has given us through Christ. Even though we are burdened with, with needs and concerns and difficulties in this life, we ought to keep our eyes on Christ. We're going to hear that explicitly this morning as we enter chapter 3 of Hebrews. We will see that this morning through what God spoke through the writer of Hebrews as we enter chapter 3, and I want to look at the first six verses together. So hopefully you're there with me. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Follow along as I read. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, And verse 5 says, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, why do I say there's never a right time to take your eyes off Jesus, even as you deal with the challenges that come with this life? And they come. And I heard Farrell say it this morning. It's a true statement. We will have troubles. We will have trials. They will come. You all know that. I'm not telling you anything new, correct? And you probably wish I'd just shut up. You know, you're you're jinxing me. I don't need any more troubles. Don't tell me I'm going to have troubles. I don't don't want any more, right? We don't believe in that, right? We do believe and we know that God's Word tells us, be be forewarned. In this world you will have trials, right? You will have troubles. You will have opposition. But Jesus says, I have overcome the world praise God so why do I say there's never a right time to take your eyes off Jesus even as you're dealing with challenges that come with this life why do I say there's hope for all your needs being met in Christ and I'm not suggesting that all your needs all your problems are going to disappear because you put your faith in Christ but ultimately all your needs are going to be met and addressed as you put your faith in Christ why do I say that I say that because if you're a child of God, you have a very special heavenly calling. Would you look at verse 1 again? Chapter 3, verse 1, Hebrews. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling. Now, did you hear that? For The first few words there, that sentence, therefore, you, holy brothers. You hear that? Holy brothers. Who is that? That's... That's believers, right? Holy brothers. That's believers in whom? In Jesus Christ. It's what we learned, in fact, in chapter 2, that through faith in Christ, we not only become brothers and sisters in Christ, and and I'll remind you, when you see that word brothers, that includes, that's everybody, male or female, who trust in Christ. So brothers is, is believers, okay? Believers, male or female, believers in Christ. And so it's what we learn in chapter 2, that through faith in Christ, we not only become brothers and sisters in Christ with other believers, but we also are told that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Therefore, holy brothers. You get it? Brothers of Christ? Brothers and sisters of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Therefore, holy brothers. He's speaking, the writer is speaking to believers And believers are considered holy. Now, why is that? Because I know you're like me. I don't have to say if you're like me. I know you're like me in that you still fight sin. I'm confident of that because God's word declares it, makes it so. It is so. And and if you're honest, you'll admit it, right? That you are like me and you still fight sin. So how is it? that the word can call you holy. I know Satan likes to tell you that too. Satan likes to say you're not holy, you're not righteous, you're not spiritual. And yet I wouldn't argue with God because God's word says holy, brothers. And the writer is speaking about believers. How is it believers can be called holy when we know we're still this side of heaven fighting, putting on doing dealing with warfare, putting on the armor of God, right? doing warfare against sin. How can I say, how does God's word say that, that we're holy? What, is it, what does it mean? Believers are considered holy because they have the righteousness of Christ applied to them. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see your perfection because you're not, but he sees the perfection of his son because he is perfect, sinless. And he suffered and died for your sin on the cross. And so God's word can say, therefore, holy brothers, even though we're still fighting sin in, in this world and with this life, because believers are considered holy because Jesus Christ is holy. And his holiness and his righteousness is applied to our account, so to speak. Our account was zero. It was a negative number, okay? When it comes to righteousness, our account before Christ was a negative number. We were in the red, okay? But Jesus Christ comes and fills up our account with his righteousness. And God looks and says, holy brothers, right? Praise God. Praise God. His righteousness is applied to us. We're not totally righteous in this life, are we? Because we're still fighting sin. But, but it's as good as done because God looks at us and sees the righteousness of his son Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you share with your brothers and sisters in Christ in a heavenly calling. Amen? Let me think of it. What awaits you? Eternal glory with God. Amen? And and it's hard for us, again, it's hard for us in this life to, to understand that, to grasp that, because we're still stuck dealing with the here and now so often. It's really hard for us to fathom Plus, we don't have the mind of God, and we're not totally sure. We're not totally, we're not totally knowledgeable about everything that heaven going to entail, but we know this, and, and this is really all you need to know about heaven. There's more than this in God's word, but this is really all you need to know. If you want to cling to this, this fact, heaven is where God is, and that's where he's going to be. That's where God will be in all of eternity, and if you're there and he's there, That's going to be a good thing. It'll be a glorious thing. It will be an an opportunity for you to glorify and worship and serve him, and you will serve him. And yet there will be no sin and no crying and no suffering and no pain, no disease. Praise God. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to know about our our eternal destiny. And so when you come to this and you see that, therefore, holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling, that is a powerful statement in in which we ought to give God great praise and glory for it. It is no doing of our own that we can be called this and be given this. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you share with your brothers and sisters in Christ in a heavenly calling, as we heard back in Hebrews 2.10, where it said, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, who's that? Lord Jesus Christ, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. That's Jesus Christ. In bringing many sons to glory, our verse, chapter three, verse one, our heavenly calling. And because of this, the writer instructs believers, instructs believers to consider Jesus. Because of what you have in Christ, because your faith is in Christ, if that's true of you, the writer's saying, because your faith is in Christ, consider what you have. Because you see who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for you, consider Jesus and keep considering Jesus and never take your eyes off Jesus as you live in this world. Because in Christ you have his righteousness and secured for you an eternal heavenly destiny. And because of this, consider Jesus. Note it in verse 1. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, when I say consider Jesus, I hope that's why you're here today. I hope you're here to consider Jesus. I hope that's why you're here, that you want to consider Jesus, that you do you want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, that you want to sing about him, and you sang so well this morning, it sounded like you really wanted to sing about Christ and sing your worship to God, and I praise God for that. that's true about you. And I trust that you come here because you want to worship the Lord because of who He is and what He has done. And I hope you come here because you want to be encouraged to pray and thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you want to be challenged to obey God's Word because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. I hope that's why you're here, because you want to consider Jesus. You want to think long and hard on Jesus, and you never want to take your eyes off Him. I hope that's why you're here. But I know you might be here for some other reason. It's possible. And I'm okay with that, as long as at some point you hear me saying, consider Jesus, consider Jesus, come here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ for what he has done for you. And if you're not a believer, come here so you understand what you need in Christ and so that you will repent of your sin and believe in Jesus and be saved and then keep coming to consider Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, consider Jesus. And I've said it before, we're not sure, we're not confident about who the writer is, the, the human writer, the human author is, but we know who the divine author is. So this is God speaking to us. Remember, when you read God's word, you're, spe- you're hearing God speak to you. And God says, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. But wait, you say, why consider Jesus if I'm already a believer? Doesn't that sound like something you would say to an unbeliever? Yes, you heard me just say it. If you're an unbeliever, I say consider Jesus, right? But remember, back up. I said this is to believers, isn't it? Therefore, holy brothers, this is speaking to believers. Why Why does a believer need to hear this? The believer, the, the, the writer's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to the holy brothers. He's speaking to believers. So why is he saying it to believers? We already learned why back in chapter 2. And here's why: If you know what verse one in chapter two is, you know where I'm going. It's a it's a little word, but it can be a big problem. Drift. Drift. We learned why. The writer of Hebrews, inspired by God, is is telling believers, consider Jesus. Keep your eyes on Christ. No matter what's going on around you, as you go through this world and as you live in this world and as you deal with everyday problems, consider Jesus, believer. Because in chapter 2 and verse 1, we're reminded why. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, God's word about Christ, lest we drift away from it. You see, We don't naturally consider Jesus. Now, I do believe that the longer you're a follower of Christ and the more Christ-like you become, the more automatic this becomes. But we don't in our old nature consider Jesus. In our old nature, we drift. Chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, we must be diligent says chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard right, from God's Word about the Lord Jesus Christ and all these wonderful things that are true about Him and will be true about you if you put your faith in Him. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard and keep paying closer attention lest we drift because drift is natural. Paying much closer attention takes diligence. So why is it so important to consider Jesus? Because as we see here in verse 1, he is two things. Here's why it's so important to consider Jesus, because verse 1 makes clear two very important things about Jesus and who he is and what he has done and what he is doing. Look at verse 1 again. Can I read it just one more time? Follow along. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So first of all, consider Jesus because he is, I will say, he is the apostle. You know what there are there are apostles in the New Testament. We see the apostles. I'm going to say Jesus is the apostle. Consider Jesus because he is the apostle. Jesus, here's, here's the deal. With being an apostle, Jesus meets your ultimate need as the apostle. Apostle means that Jesus is God's. Do you know what apostle means? He is God's sent one. Apostle means sent one. Jesus is God's sent one. Jesus Christ, God the Son, a member of the triune God, right? Jesus Christ, God the Son, was sent by God the Father as his representative in human flesh to mankind. Jesus Christ came to earth, took on human flesh, born as a baby, lived as God in human flesh. We call him the God-man, God incarnate. God come to earth in human flesh, and Jesus Christ is God's representative of God in human flesh. And why did God do that? Because God so loved the world. So he sent his son. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave, or we could even say that he sent the apostle, the sent one, his son, his only son, that whoever does what? Believes in him. Believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you want to know what the, what the one requirement for salvation is? Believe in Jesus, and you will be saved. God's word is so gracious, right, to remind us of that again and again and again. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And as God sent one, he delivers. God sends Jesus Christ, the apostle, and as God sent one, he delivers to new life. Now, there's another reason to consider Jesus in verse 1. Consider Jesus because he is the high priest. High priest. Jesus also meets our ultimate need as high priest. In other words, he is God's God's go-between. Think of the high priest that way. Between whom? Between God and us, right? Between God and people. Jesus Christ is God's go-between. Between God, the Father, and people. Now, think about the role of the priest in the Old Testament. What did the priests of the Old Testament do? What were they constantly doing for the sins of the people? They were offering up sacrifices, sacrificing animals again and again and constantly having to go back and offer up sacrifices. Why? Because the people kept sinning. And the, and the answer that God gave was animal sacrifice. And when I see the sacrifice, I forgive. But they'd have to keep coming back and doing it again and again, continually having to do this. But now there's Jesus, the sent one, the apostle, and He's the high priest. He's the go-between between sinful mankind, and that's all of us, and God. But now there's Jesus, and he came as the high priest. Remember, there are high priests seen in the Old Testament, right, seen in the, in the Scriptures. But I'm going to say about Jesus that he is, like I said, he is the apostle. I'm going to say he is the high priest because he is, he's the last one we ever need. But instead of offering up sacrifices, animals offered up sacrifice on the altar, and having to do that continually, he offered up himself. Jesus Christ, the God-man, God incarnate in human flesh, doesn't offer up animal sacrifices, he offers up himself. In fact, that's what we heard back in chapter 2. Listen to verses 17 and 18 of Hebrews 2. Therefore... He had to be made like his brothers in every respect. In other words, he had to take on human flesh so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You see, as the high priest of our confession, Jesus makes propitiation for the sins of the people. He is our go-between. And we talked about this last week. Propitiation points to his role as our go-between. Propitiation means that, that his sacrifice for sins satisfies the just wrath of God. God is just in his anger for our sin. And we deserve punishment for our sin. But propitiation means Jesus takes our place and satisfies by taking our place and being crucified on the cross and suffering for our sins. Jesus becomes a propitiation for our sins, meaning that he satisfies God's just anger and wrath. And he takes on himself what we deserved and would still deserve if our faith were not in Christ. Hear me, unbeliever. If you're an unbeliever, if you've not trusted in Christ, you still deserve to be punished for your sins. And and we're all sinners. Don't don't get me wrong. We We all start here, right? We all have to come to this point where we realize, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And the only way is through faith in Jesus Christ. Because he makes propitiation. You can put your faith in him and God says, no longer am I angry with you. Because I poured out my anger on my son. My just anger is satisfied in Christ. Jesus Christ is our go between between God the Father and ourselves. And God's just wrath is satisfied in the sacrifice of his son. The once for all sacrifice get that when you think about the the priest and the old sacrificial system it was ongoing ongoing I had to keep doing this jesus christ came and is a once for all sacrifice for all who put their faith in christ it is finished So instead of offering up a sacrifice and continually having to do so, as in the Old Testament sacrificial system, Jesus became that once-for-all sacrifice. Jesus was punished for the sins of our lives. And all who trust in Jesus are credited with the righteousness of his life. Jesus Christ was punished For the sins of our lives and all who trust in him are shown mercy on account of the sinless life of Christ. He is the high priest. The high priest. He is the apostle. God sent one. And and we can praise God for that. And there is so much more here. I could keep going this morning because next we would see in verse 2 that because he is the apostle and high priest, he is better than Moses, but we're going to talk about that next time. Because this is such a wonderful truth this morning, right? That, that God sent his son and calls him faithful, true, what a good servant of God. You see, Jesus Christ served God the Father. Jesus Christ came to serve God the Father. Why? Because yes, yes, God's just in his anger and wrath for our sin, but God loves. God loves. And he says, I'm going to provide a way of escape, a way of forgiveness, a way of salvation, a way of new life. And all of it, through my Son, I send my Son. The once for all, complete sacrifice, the Apostle, the High Priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who takes on himself what we deserve. And because you've been forgiven your sins, if your faith is in Christ, you have been forgiven your sins. You are washed in the blood of the Lamb, says God's Word, the, 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 the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb, the once and for all and final sacrifice. And you are made new in Christ. And because you are made new in Christ, you are also, and we've been talking about this in our evening services, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. If you are God's child, meaning you've looked to Jesus for salvation, and by faith, you've been saved. If you've looked at Jesus Christ by faith, you've been given the Holy Spirit to live in you, to help you. And because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins and, and now you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit and now you have the, the Word of God, you have everything you need. Are you going to have problems and difficulties and challenges and heartaches and grief, and grief? Yes. We know it, don't we? And many of you know it in this room more than others, that there is grief and sorrow and heartache and pain and difficulty but that's true of all of us. And you cannot afford to stop considering Jesus in the midst of your trials. Do not take your eyes off of Jesus. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. If you've confessed to God that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that's you. And if you've not, make it you. Trust in Jesus now. Put your faith in him and become that one of whom verse 1 speaks, holy brothers. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on Christ. Consider Jesus. Keep considering Jesus. Do not stop considering Jesus until you die or until he calls you home. Because when one of those happens, guess what? You will see him face to face, you'll see him as he is, and and you will be like him, meaning you will be done with sin and done with suffering. Consider Jesus. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, you are a precious Heavenly Father. We praise you and thank you for sending Jesus Christ. How undeserving we are Oh, Lord, help us understand that you do not look upon us and say, Oh, what good people. I think I'll send my son to save those good people. You looked on us and said, What a sinful people who desperately need to be saved. And You, in your grace and mercy sent your son, the apostle, the high priest. And then in your word you declare, Consider Jesus. God, as we go from this place today, help us each and every one, to be willing to consider Jesus faithfully, that we would consider him in your word because your word reveals him and makes him known throughout, points to him, reveals him, declares him, and then gives instruction about how we might live for his glory and with his help. And so Lord, I pray as we leave this place that we would go equipped with the word and with the spirit to respond to heartache and difficulty and challenges and grief and sorrow and job loss and loss of loved ones and difficulties with neighbors and family members and and everything else god help us to deal with those with those problems and challenges with the hope and assurance knowing that you have intervened through christ and you have given your people your spirit and you have given your people your word to live by And so, Lord, help us to live by faith as we walk in obedience to your word with our eyes fixed on Jesus, considering him. Oh, Lord, help us not to be those who drift. Help us to keep considering Jesus every day that you give us breath for our own good and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.